Dave Gilbert here, and today we're going to be talking about six ways not to fight temptation and what to do about it. This is coming up next on Band of Christian Brothers. Band of Christian Brothers. Hello and welcome to Band of Christian Brothers program, where men are emboldened to grow in faith and virtue, ultimately for you to become the man God is calling you to be. I am your host, David Gilbert, and you can find us, uh, Band of Christian Brothers, online at bandofchristianbrothers.com or subscribe and download to the podcast from iTunes or Google Play. You can follow us on Facebook or you can follow me on Twitter at Gilbert Speaker. So, temptation, we're always affected by it. Since we are in this spiritual battle here on earth, we are bombarded by temptations to throw us off our mission and sin. So to discuss this today, we have Gregory Watson. Greg, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right. So faith is much like sports. We need to practice and train. You know, we need to learn the basics before we come to know more complex moves, even though those professionals make it look like it's very simple. And in the same way, after discovering that sin is empty and unfulfilling, Turning away from it and living a Christian moral life seems pretty straightforward idea. However, after a bit of time and effort, we find that there's more to it than we first thought. Sin and temptation that leads to it are more complicated than they seem. You know, there seems to be a time then that what we need to focus a little bit more closely and study the mechanics of avoiding temptation. You know, those little things that lead to the victory by God's grace. So for this, we turn to the advice of the spiritual giant, St. Francis de Sales, in his book, To the Devout Life. Uh, and St. Francis, he's a master for culture in this regard, if we're going to use sports terms. so But, however, addressing everything that he has to say about this temptation would be an epic undertaking because it's such a big book. So I'd like to present a few helpful tips that he tells us that we should not do as we learn to master the mechanics of the, of, uh, the moral life, which are six ways not to fight temptation. And... There's an excellent article on this, actually, from the, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is it the... Those Catholic Men. Those Catholic Men. So, it's from the website, Those Catholic Men. They came up with these six steps on ways not to fight temptation based on St. Francis. So, we're going to be using that uh, going forward here. So, the first one is, don't love the temptation. I mean, this, this seems obvious, right? But let's face it, after we've made that, that decision, that clean break from sin, you know, sometimes we still we still feel pretty good about it, right? I, it, like, for instance, at least I know for me, you know, I know some friends who, you know, um, have gone over that temptation of, you know, uh, of, of impurity, mm-hmm. but they still talk or brag about it. And it's like, okay, well, if you've made that break you've you've made that that severance from that temptation mm-hmm. but you keep talking about it you keep bringing it up clearly you are, still love that temptation you may not be yeah. engaging it but you're still loving it and that love can quickly turn back into engaging that temptation it's funny cuz i mean like from kind of from the the other perspective you know some people maybe don't understand like certain sins like that's not their temptation or whatever and, and like well you know i don't i don't get that you know, and they kind of ignore their own sin, uh, perhaps, or, or the own, their own temptations. Um, I remember it reminds me of um, back in my Protestant days, hearing a, a youth minister uh, talking about sin and talking about temptation, 
And he goes, if you don't think sin is fun, you just haven't found the right one. Uh, and you know, and he, and he, the point he's making is that you know the reason we're tempted at all is because we think that whatever that sin is is good, that it will bring yep. us satisfaction. And so, you know, obviously the advice "don't love the temptation" it, it seems very counterintuitive. At the same time, as it's obvious, it seems like, well, if I didn't love it, it wouldn't be tempting. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost like uh, what was it? Uh, Saint Augustine, who says, mm-hmm. "You know, Lord, make me a saint, but just not right now, yeah. or something like yeah. that." Make, make me chaste, but not yet. Exactly. Right. And, and I think that's that that speaks to a lot of us, where it's like we we have this attachment, this love for it, but we know we are called to something more, something pure. We're called to be saints, but at the same time, it's like we're still attached. We're still in love with this, and and you know. Being pleased with the temptation is always the first step into consenting it, right? And so we need to not love it. Yep. We need to um, kind of bring our, our, you know, like to kind of get Thomistic on it. You know, our, our intellect is supposed to rule our will and subjugate our passions. But the more we give in to temptations, the, especially to, to lust, to, to gluttony, to the sins of the flesh... You know, it's our passions that are now ruling our will and subjugating our intellect. We're becoming irrational. And so we need to to bring our, our intellect, you know, St. Paul talks about in, in Romans uh, 12, to to renew our mind, to to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And that's that's what he's talking about. That's where he's going and and saying about we need to bring our will into alignment with our intellect. We need to bring our passions into subjection to our will rather than the other way around. So what do we need to do? We need to know the true, the good, the beautiful, what is truly good, truly beautiful, and bring our um, bring our will under control of our intellect, of what we know. And so that means like when we know that something like a particular temptation to to wrath, to to envy, to lust, what have it, what have you, we need to understand that this isn't really true, good, or beautiful to know why it's not and to therefore be able to dismiss it, to, to not love it, to, to recognize that that is something harmful to us. Yeah, well, and that's the thing that I think helps me in terms of not loving that temptation is what's the consequences What's that consequence in terms of my own soul? But then also, too, if I love God, and if, if if I am created to know, love, and serve Him, and if I love God, and my ultimate destiny is heaven, what damage is that causing that relationship? And And if that's causing that damage to that relationship, then I must do everything in my power not to do it. I mean, it's the same thing with, uh, you know, with my wife, right? I mean, I love her. And I might be tempted to do something else, but if I know that's going to damage my relationship with her or that's going to make her upset or angry, my love for her should override that love for, you know, giving in in terms of, you know, uh, criticizing because, you know, that really bothers me. I just need to get off my chest or something like that, right? So I think putting it in that perspective, at least for me, has helped me to kind of detach from that love to that temptation. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the uh, the opening to the act of contrition, right? You know? Um, oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for my sins because I fear the loss of heaven and the pain of hell. But most of all, my God, I detest all my sins because I've offended you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know what? At the same time, that 
takes some spiritual maturity. You have to get to a certain level in your faith to do that. Right. Uh, but we all need to be there, and we all should be there, right? So, awesome. Um, when we're changing habits, you know, to, to help us get to that point of, of loving the good and, and hating the temptation, um, we kind of need to go back to treating ourselves almost like little children. Um, you know, when, when your children are young, they don't understand, you know, well, this is going to harm me and I need to develop my virtue to be a better person. They understand pain versus pleasure. Yep. You know, I like doing X because it causes me pleasure. I don't like getting hurt. And so often, you know, things like corporal punishment, you know, to, to a certain extent, yeah, um, are effective means of, of teaching our children not to do things that are wrong. You know, because, well, I don't like, you know, when daddy spanks me or I don't like getting, you know, yelled a time at. out or yeah. yelled at or, or my toys taken away for a certain amount of time. Um, that doesn't bring me pleasure. Hitting my sister caused me to have to endure, un, endure this punishment, and so I shouldn't hit my sister. Or vice versa, if if I share, maybe I get you know praise. extra you know, praise, or you know maybe I'll get to you know play on Daddy's iPad for another extra ten minutes today or something if I'm if I'm good, you know. So that system of reward and punishment. <clears throat> Before we get to the place of, you know, uh, most of all, oh my God, I detest all my sins because I fear offending you. You know, we, we kind of go back to that. I fear the loss of heaven and the pain of hell. Mm-hmm. Maybe we maybe we make that more immediate for ourselves where, okay, I've given into temptation. Now I'm going to do something to, to chastise myself, to punish myself, whatever that might yeah. be you know, giving yourself that kind of discipline to, to deprive yourself of some good, some pleasure, um, or, or, uh, contrary wise, if we, you know, if we have endured and overcome that temptation, we reward ourselves in some small way. Yeah. Well, I, and I know for me at least, um, you know, in my spiritual journey, when I, when I finally started taking my faith more seriously, it was more for the pains of hell <laughs> than my love for God that got me to confession, that that made me sorry. And that, that sounds kind of selfish, but at the same time, I think they call that the, the purgative stage mm-hmm. in your in your faith. And, and that, that was the thing that at least set me on the path, right? So, I mean, um, it's a good start, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't stay there. Yeah. But, but, I mean, there definitely something has to be said in terms of, you know, the whole punishment thing. And I think that's so, one of the unfortunate things, too, is that, you know, when we go to Sunday Mass, we don't really hear about hell anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, everyone's canonized a saint. Everyone's good. God loves you. So, um, you know, I think we need to hear a little bit more of that. I mean, obviously, there's a balance and, and within moderation. But I think we need to, to realize the the consequences of, of sin and falling into that temptation. So, yep. and, and, and talking about, you know, falling into that temptation, which brings me to the second point is, the second point is don't put yourself in the way of temptation. So this one's both a matter of foresight and honesty. I mean, first it requires foresight. You know, if I know every time I'm going to get into conversations with those people, you know, at, uh, you know, at uh, lunch break at work or, um, you know, we, we end up talking about, you know, dirty things or we gossip or something, you know, that's my fault because I, I went back into that, that's sin, right? Or, or you know, if my temptation is, um, 
drinking. Like yeah. even like drinking. Don't go to a bar. Yeah. Well, I mean <laughs> that's, like, that's like that's like pretty much like step one of the twelve steps, right? You know, yeah. like you know, don't put yourself in that situation. Like if 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 you're going to be tempted to drink, yeah, don't go to the bar. Don't yeah. don't go to the beer store. You know, whatever you know, whatever puts you in that in that place. And and I think that's where this don't put your way, uh, yourself in the way of temptation is is that you need to be honest with yourself. Yep. So if you're going to be tempted to take a drink, don't go to the to the beer store. If you're going to be tempted, let's just say it's lust, right? Don't watch those certain TV shows. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there's certain TV shows that you know aren't R rated or whatever, but you know they have, you know scantily clad women or or what have you and you know it's going to bring you into that temptation avoid those near occasions of sin basically it's essentially but you need to be honest with yourself is look i have this issue and i need to avoid those as best i can do you think do you think that's a uh i think that's one of the fundamental um i guess problems or crises with with people today and i think even probably more so for men is that uh in our in our world with with things like you know the internet with you know smartphones with um all the all the noise all the all the distractions in our world today that we've lost the ability to be introspective to to have a level of self awareness um i don't know if it's that we've lost the self awareness i think for me it has been we are so desensitized so, for instance, like uh, my wife and I, Teresa, we we got rid of cable about nine years ago now, and we didn't realize how desensitized we were until afterwards. We we're like, okay, you know, let's watch these videos that we haven't, these movies that we haven't seen since, like, you know, university, mm-hmm. or let's watch, uh, you know, an episode of CSI because we used to watch a whole bunch of CSI when we were first married, and it's like, holy smokes, like. We did not notice or realize these certain scenes uh, or just how provocative things were mm-hmm. until afterwards. And I think that's it is that we're just so bombarded with pleasure and temptation that we almost become desensitized from it that we're not even aware uh, sometimes of the of the situations we put ourselves in. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, with that plus, you know, what I was what I was saying about about just not even being self-aware like how how often do we take the time to to even consider what would be those near occasions of sin you know yeah well what how often do we do we examine our the the triggers that 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 mm -hmm. would would lead us to that well and that's a good point and that's why i think doing a daily examination of conscience is an excellent way of figuring out you know what sins am i you know addicted to Mm mm-hmm I I don't like using the word addiction because I think it it removes a certain sense of of responsibility because ultimately no one's forcing you to make the decision except yourself. But, you know, if you're able to identify certain patterns and you realize you're suffering from a habitual sin, then you can start trying to take the appropriate steps to avoid them, right? But you might not even be aware of it unless you're recording it. And so at the end of the day, I think it's very important to, you know, say your prayers, but then examine the day and just say, okay, what have I done right? But also, too, what have I failed to do? And what have I done that was not so right? And I think over time you'll realize, okay, here's a habit, right? Like, oh, man, I, I yell at my kids too much. Or, you know, um, 
maybe I am flirting with temptation in terms of looking at certain articles or reading certain articles or looking at certain pictures, um, you know, things like that. Or, or, you know, maybe I am, you know, um, not conducting myself in the proper way, you know, with my coworkers or things like that. So I think that's, it's very important to, to, uh, do that examination of conscience and, and by that, then you can identify those habits and then take the appropriate measures, uh, necessary. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the third point, uh, is, uh, according to this article is don't be so anxious. I think another way of, of putting it is, is don't be so scrupulous, right? Yeah. Because, you know, being tempted is not a sin. Right. Falling into the temptation is, or giving into that temptation is, right? Right. So we need to to you know acknowledge that and be aware that we're being tempted, but then not to to fall into it. So, for instance, I mean, you know, if you're if you're uh, suffering from lust, right? To to have that initial thought of the, of that woman walking by, and you're like, oh, she's beautiful, you know, offer that temptation up to God, but then forget it. Mm-hmm. Don't dwell on it. Don't worry. Like, oh my goodness, I, I thought she was beautiful. And, you know, w- w- no. Offer it up to God and and pray for that woman or, or give thanks for God's beautiful creation and move on, right? And I think that's that's the problem, especially with those who are, you know, uh, first trying to tackle their habitual sins is, you know, any notion of it, it's like, oh my goodness, I got to go to confession again. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, not necessarily. If If you're being tempted, but you're not entertaining it, Yep. Then, you know, you're you're on the right path. Yeah. And again, I think that goes back to the distinction I was making earlier about um, the passions versus the will versus the intellect. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we sin, you know, like the church teaches about the three conditions for a, a sin to be a mortal sin. You know, it has to be grave matter. You know, it has to be serious. Um, we have to know that it's wrong, that it's serious, and that we have to freely consent with our will. Yes. But there's always the caveat of not having an informed conscience and right. we're responsible though for our conscience. So True. But what but. what I what I mean I, I want to focus on that third point though of, okay. of freely engaging it with our will. Yep. You know? Um just to kind of go back to the addiction thing, I mean that's why legitimate addictions can mitigate against uh the severity of sin because our will isn't completely free to to reject that. But that, I would argue on that, that but a, that would be a different. I would, uh, I, was, conversation. I, I would love to actually have a have a, a future episode discussing addiction. Let's do it. Let's do it. Absolutely. Um, but for right now, I just wanted to say though, mm-hmm. um, I think that's the point. Like when we're tempted, the temptation is something that's popped into our head. But when it becomes a sin, is when we've chosen, yeah. when we've used our will to engage it. Exactly, and I and I think too when. You know, the article says, don't be so anxious, or I would say, you know, don't be so scrupulous, is that when we become anxious or scrupulous about it, we we tend to be discouraged. Mm-hmm. And when we're discouraged, all of a sudden we get the sense of, well, I just give up. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it's in that stage of when you get discouraged and you give up is when you give in to that temptation. Yeah. Right. Um, so knowing that just being tempted isn't a sin, um, you know, and, but choosing to engage that is the sin, you know, knowing that can be freeing. But I know for mm-hmm. me, I don't know if it's just cause like I have ADHD. Um, so I, you know, it's very distracted, very like hyperactive up in my brain. Um, 
And uh, you just have so many ideas. That's all. It's true. It's true. <laughs> my uh, my dad loves to tell the story of of me lying on my bed when I was about nine, and he walked into the room and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm thinking deep thoughts." <laughs> there you go. Yep. So where are you going with this? Where was I going with that? I was going with um, you know, like for my for my job. You know, I do carpentry and stuff and and make cabinets. And uh, you know, Saint Joseph wannabe. Yeah, that's it. Um, but uh, so sometimes they'll they'll bring us in an order, and it'll be like a whole bunch of cabinets, and there'll be like a whole bunch of doors. It just seem overwhelming to me, and like it's never going to end, and I'm never going to see the end of this, and and it'll just get overwhelming and discouraging right off the bat, and I won't even want to start. But if I take the time to like take the list of here's the cabinets, here's the doors count them all out be like oh okay there's only like 20 25 you know whatever it is and then as i'm doing them i can kind of like count down and be like okay i've only got like three left i've only got two left and uh you know or or whatever it happens to be it makes the day go better it 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 gives me almost like this sense of hope that there's an end in sight and uh when it comes to temptation i've always found you know giving into the temptation um can be almost inevitable at times because I don't have that kind of goal of if I just hold out for this long, then it'll go away for now and I won't be struggling with that particular temptation. It always seems like, well, the temptation's here. It's just going to stay here until I give in. Kind of like, you know, when you have an itch yeah, and that itch is just not going to go away and you will go insane if you try to just ignore it instead of scratch it. Um, temptation apparently doesn't work like that. I actually... Um, I'm a member of uh, the confraternity uh, of angelic, the angelic warfare confraternity, and it basically it's a it's a, a confraternity um, under the the direction of the Dominican Order um, that uh, has a devotion to Saint Thomas and is to aspire to chastity. And um, so the director has been sending out emails recently, um, meditations on the Rosary, and uh, he sent one out just recently where he talks about giving into temptation and not giving into temptation. And he says in this email, he, he actually gives some good practical pointers, but he, he says, in general, if we can hold out for 20 to 30 minutes, we will be able to overcome most temptations. Now, obviously, that's not a hard, fast rule. I'm, I'm sure it varies from person to person and how ensnared or enslaved they are to a particular uh, temptation or a particular sin. But if we can hold out for 20 to 30 minutes... No one has ever given me a number like that before. And that that notion that, you know, if we can hold out for a certain specified length of time, the temptation will pass was never, ever communicated to me. And that gives me so much hope to know that if I can just hang in there for that amount of time, then I can get through this. I can overcome that particular temptation and, you know, go on with my life. And hopefully a series of that would make it easier and easier to overcome you know, that particular vice. Um, and then he goes on to uh, to give practical steps to do just that. Uh, and I quote, what we need to do when they arise is to find something to keep our minds and bodies occupied for a length of time and walk away from the source of temptation. Walking away from a source of temptation, turning our minds to a favorite pastime and to prayer, opening scripture or a favorite book are all things that we can do to ensure the temptation we feel for 30 minutes uh, we can overcome them. Uh, but he, he then goes on to, to stress, don't wait for the moment of temptation to come upon you to decide what you're going to do. 
you should already have a plan. Like, okay, when I feel tempted, I'm going to whatever happens, go for a walk or roll in the snow or go into a thorn bush like some of the saints take that cold shower (laughs) yeah um you know but you know you'll you'll have the book nearby or you you know you'll have your rosary nearby to be able to 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 pray it no you know um or to read or to to distract yourself in some way that you know will get you through that that time period while that temptation is enduring Mm mm-hmm and so I just found that to be to be something very insightful and very hopeful and very practical in in the in the in the uh the fight against our sin. Yeah, and I think too when you when you have those tools, when you have that knowledge, it does take away that anxiousness, it does take away that scrupulousness, especially for those who tend to be more susceptible to that. Anyways, on on that note, uh we're three points into six, so I think we're gonna take a little short break and then we'll be back with you in a moment. All right, and we're back. So we just finished talking about the first three points of the ways not to fight temptation. So the the fourth point now is don't give temptation a hearing. So St. Francis of Sales makes a distinction between greater and lesser lesser temptations. So for example, if the temptation to murder someone versus to be short or irritable with someone uh, or to steal versus covet, to commit perjury or to tell a lie, or adultery, or not to guard one's eyes. Um, While we must fight these great temptations forcefully, with the lesser temptations, St. Francis says, is that our main task is to just let them pass by, you know, to quietly remove them and not let them steal our peace. And I think that's what the third point does, too, is, is, you know, stealing our peace, being that scrupulous or or being anxious to steal that peace. So it's kind of like the old pink elephant trick, right? The more we try not to think of the pink elephant in the room, the more, um, you know, we think about that pink elephant. So when temptation arises, I think we need to recognize them, reject them, and move on and not give them any more thought. Otherwise, it just becomes overwhelming. And I know for me... Whenever I'm tempted, it's kind of like, you know, I enter in that dialogue, right? That dialogue with the temptation of, well, you know, maybe, you know, it won't be so bad or, or you know, that temptation is bad, but maybe I could choose a lesser temptation on the same vein, right? So, you know, I, I might be... I might be tempted to view pornography, but instead, you know, maybe I'll just look at, uh, you know, bikini models or something like that. Yeah. It's the same thing, and and it's never going to end well. The best thing is, and, and at least for me, is not engaging in t- that temptation and, and having that hearing or that dialogue with it is, you know, Lord, I offer up this temptation for you. You know, you deal with it now, and mm-hmm. I and I, Greg, I think before the show when we were talking about this episode, you had a great uh, great idea too. When uh, when you're yeah, one tempted. of one of my uh, my previous uh, priests at my parish, um, he's no longer there. He's at a he's been moved to a different parish. Um, but uh, Father Bill Trues, uh, in confession one time, gave me the advice. Um, he said it was from I think Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, it was kind of the the fight temptation, fight the fire with fire analogy of uh, St. Ignatius would, would recommend offering up your temptation, especially like when it comes to, to lust. Um, if you're lusting after like a, a particular woman or whatever, offer that temptation to lust after that woman up for the salvation of her soul. Hmm. So it's like you're tempted to, to lust after, you know, say a, a porn model you see on the internet or whatever. Instead of engaging that, 
take the time to say, Lord Jesus, I offer up the temptation to lust after her for the salvation of her soul. And uh, it was funny when, when I when I put that into practice, if I can, I don't know, maybe we want to edit this out later, but uh, I, um, you know, I put that into practice really kind of praying for, you know, the, the, the porn stars, the porn distributor people during those moments of temptation. Um, I was away from, you know, viewing pornography for a while. And then I fell back into it and I went to look up one of the sites that I would regularly frequent. And so I typed it into the, to the search bar and I get there and instead of a porn site, it's actually a, now a link to um, a Protestant, here's how you can find Jesus kind of tracked. Wow. And it was like, wait, what? This was like my go-to porn site that I would go to when I would fall into temptation. And somehow between the time that I started praying for, you know, you know, praying against, you know, offering up my temptations for people involved in the porn industry to the next time that I actually fell into the temptation, that website's creators had had a conversion to Christianity and were now using their former porn website to try to lead people to Jesus. So I don't know if it was my prayers there that helped in that process, but, you know, take that <laughs> take that for what you will. Well, in any event, it was God's grace. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I think that's that that uh, you know, talking about God's grace is is good intro to the to the fifth point, which is don't make it a game of will. You know, and I think with a lot of us men, you know, we like to be in charge. We think we're in control. And so we think, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to kick the habit. I am stronger than this temptation. And you know what? As good as that intention is, we're fallen human beings. And I think we need to, you know, and we might we might experience some short-term initial success, you know, through our willpower, but we cannot rely on willpower alone. I, I think willpower is the good first step. But ultimately, and especially in the long run, we need God's grace. And so we need to focus on God's strength, on God's grace, and draw upon that. And I think what you were talking about, too, in terms of prayer and when we're tempted, um, that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Because you know what? Like, if if you're trying to battle, you know, uh, the devil or any other demonic being, like, they're pure intellect. Uh, You're going to lose. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You're going to lose. And so you need to... Otherwise, long term, it's not going to happen. Yep, willpower. I mean, for us, it's a it's a finite resource. You know, we only have so much. We we get tired. We get fatigued. You know, we get distracted. We're going to give in. Or I'm I'm I have a stressful day. You know, my guards down. Whatever. Yeah. Um. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna let my geek flag fly here for uh for a moment. Uh, One of my favorite superheroes, Green Lantern. It's all about willpower, nerd. right? Yeah, I know. I'm a nerd. Okay. So they got the, the green light of will, you know, condensed, and they use their rings to manifest their will in any way they want. And there's a new character that uh, DC sort of introduced, a girl character named Jessica Cruz, and her sort of backstory shtick thing is that she suffers from, like, social anxiety. And the reason the ring chose her because she can exercise great will to overcome great fear is because she she started getting over her social anxiety. She could leave her house now. Yay. And, you know, was able to, you know, start doing stuff. But at the same time, she's had this, this real struggle to even make the ring work despite it choosing her because all her willpower is sort of focused on overcoming her social anxiety that she hardly has any left over to do Green Lantern-y stuff. 
And I remember hearing people criticize that as being like, well, you know, if she has such great willpower to overcome her social anxiety disorder, shouldn't she just be like the most powerful Green Lantern then? It's like, well, no, because she's using all of that will up to just overcome her own personal weakness. She hardly has any left over. And I think understanding that kind of dynamic, um, you know, if, if my nerdiness hasn't turned everybody off, um, understanding that, yeah, like we're, we concentrate all our willpower onto, you know, X, Y, or Z throughout our day, you know, our jobs, dealing with other people, you know, what have you, that um, all of a sudden our temptations come. It's like we hardly have anything left to to defend ourselves from from those temptations. And so when we when we were trying to rely on our will to do that, yep. um, we'll fail, or we'll be miserable for it, and we'll we'll succumb to some other temptation because we'll be so concentrated on on overcoming this one vice that we won't realize that all of a sudden you know it's like the sneak attack battle on two fronts thing. Now we're cranky and irritable and and snarking at our neighbor, um, or wife. You know, our wife, your our coworker, however that that might go, we're you know we're being, you know, extra angry or irritable towards our children. Those are sins too, and because we're focusing all of our willpower on overcoming this one, all of a sudden we're you know we're opening up our our rear guard to to suddenly engaging in other sins that wouldn't even normally be sins for us. Yeah. So we have to we have to recognize that by ourselves we can't do it alone. That and like like the whole point is we need God's grace. You know, Jesus says, you know, it's it's in our weaknesses that he is strong when we when we acknowledge that. Amen. All right, and the last point is don't remain silent. So I think that that's that's an important thing and I think we've already touched upon a little bit of it in terms of, you know, don't, don't remain silent on your prayer uh it, don't remain silent on your temptation in terms of prayer, right? Praying to God, offering it up. But then I think another thing too is that uh, at least what's helped for me initially has been or having a spiritual director to talk about, you know, your sins, your weaknesses, and have them to help guide you and direct you uh, in, in correcting that or taking the, the practical steps that, that they see that you may not be aware of, yep. right? And I think that's very important, whether that's a, a priest as a spiritual director or an accountability partner that knows you. Uh, you know, they they can know your strengths, they can know your weaknesses, they know your life situation, and then they can they can offer different perspectives or things that you may not be aware of in terms of how to implement, uh, to bring God into the equation. And so at least um, that's helped for me is both the prayer, well, yeah. actually all three, I've had the trifecta, you know, prayer, spiritual director, and, and accountability, and that's helped a lot because I think... Another thing too is that okay, well, this is this is something that I'm dealing with, so I'm going to just deal with this privately. Yep. And, or it's just you know between me and God, and and I think yes, it is between you and God ultimately, but at the same time, you know, if we don't have that external factor, we might cut ourselves some slack, or we may not see something that uh, a weakness or a fault that, that someone else sees. Right. Right. So, because I know at least, you know, if I, if, if I have to see my spiritual director once a month, or if I have an accountability partner that, you know, at the end of the week, I have to tell him how my week went and I'm going to have to tell him, well, I fell into this temptation again, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm going to be like, oh man, I don't want to tell them that again. Like, and so it almost serves as kind of like a, as a motivation, not, not to do it or deterrent. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we been tempted to do something 
And, you know, like we talked about earlier with, uh, you know, hell being a big deterrent from uh, at the beginning of like, well, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to go to hell. You know, sometimes the whole the whole notion of having to go to confession is like, how many sins have I not conf- conf- uh, how many sins have I not committed just because I don't want to have to go and tell Father so and so that I did them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the same one you just told them like last week. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's a lot of people alive today just because I don't want to have to go say, Father, I killed so and so. That's right. Um. But no, it's true. Uh, having that spiritual director, having, you know, an accountability partner, spiritual director, because hopefully they'll have the wisdom and the guidance to give you those practical points like we've tried to give you today on the show uh, to be able to, to battle, to overcome them more effectively. An accountability partner to, well, as the, the name implies, to be accountable to, to, to kind of report to so that they know what's going on, so that they can pray for you effectively, so that, that maybe they can give you advice. Yep. And I think in choosing an accountability partner, I think it's kind of important to be like, well, two guys who you know struggle with something, probably the same thing or whatever, be like, let's be each other's accountability partner might not be the best idea. No, because they would almost be sympathetic yeah. to that temptation yeah. because they suffer it themselves. If you have an accountability partner, you want them to be more advanced in the spiritual life than you are. Yeah, or at least or in, at that least particular in that particular, yeah, in, in that area. Like if maybe they have the sin of wrath and you have the sin of gluttony. You know, and so you can be accountable to them about your gluttony and they can be accountable to you about their wrath or or whatever. But if you're both struggling with the same thing, I think that's that's probably a dangerous combination because being accountable to each other might end up commiserating with each other, might end up being like, oh, yeah, I looked at this and I was like, oh, I've never checked that out before. And then you have a new idea for a temptation rather than yeah. rather than. Uh, yeah. Or you have the temptation of being more lenient because you can exactly, sympathize. Exactly. Thing, yeah. Exactly. So I, I think to to summarize everything, you know, the first thing is don't let the temptation, right? So don't relive it. Don't try and, you know, and, and put it into perspective of, you know, what are the consequences? What is the damage that's being done in terms of my relationship with God? Yeah. And the second one is don't put yourself in the way of temptation. So don't put yourselves in those, have an accountability partner or temptation, tempted in these situations or these places or with these people, then don't do it. That might be difficult because you might have to change your friends, your your social setting, whatever. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, when it comes to eternal life, <laughs> it's a small price to pay, right? So don't put yourself in the way of temptation. If they're going to lead you to hell and you want to go to heaven, at some point you're going to be changing your your friendships. Yep. <laughs> know what I'm saying? Ex- exactly. And uh, the third one is don't be so anxious or don't be so scrupulous, right? So don't, uh, you know, temptation isn't bad. It's giving into that temptation is, right? And and don't get discouraged because as soon as you get discouraged, that's when you give in. Yeah. Uh, fourth one is don't give the temptations a hearing. So don't enter into that dialogue because as soon as you do, you're not going to win. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And fifth one is don't make it a game of the will. Right, I mean, willpower is not enough. You might have some initial success, but ultimately, in the long run, we need to rely on God's grace because you know we cannot win this battle alone. Yeah. And the sixth one and last one is don't remain silent. Get an accountability partner. Get a spiritual director, uh, and and also to just pray to God. Don't yeah. don't remain silent. This when is a spiritual we, battle. When we fight it in the dark by ourselves, we're going to lose. <laughs> 
Amen. And and I'd like to just add before we close too on those six steps is what's helped me in terms of temptation has been frequent uh, reception of the sacraments, especially confession and the Eucharist. Yep. So every time I fall into sin, especially mortal sin, get your butt into confession right away yep. after mortal sin. You know, call Father, ask Father, you know, Father, can you hear my confession before daily Mass or, you know, this evening, whatever works. Like, yep. try and get there as soon as possible. And I found that that really helps. And the other thing is the rosary. Yes. For me, it has been huge. Um, you know, it, it takes time. You need to be patient with any sin, but, but the more you go to confession, the more you receive the Eucharist, the more, and receive the Eucharist in a state of grace. So get your butt to confession first before mm-hmm. you receive the Eucharist. And the more you pray the rosary, the more you do that, slowly those shackles start to break. So yeah. that hold, that iron tight grip slowly loosens over time. I mean, for some people, you hear those stories of like, oh, overnight, boom, God freed me, gave you the grace. That's perfect, but that doesn't happen to everyone, and that no. didn't help. To, that didn't happen to me, and, it, and it's sometimes discouraging when you're with friends who they all have this sudden conversion or this sudden miraculous, you know, release of temptation. But for me, it was it was gradual and it was over time, and it was by the mercy and grace of God and by Our Lady through the Rosary. It's like it's like when we're sick, right? Like most people, when you're sick, if it's you know not terminal, um, you'll get better gradually. Yep. Some people, you know, God will miraculously heal them. And it's like one day, you know, they had, you know, like I know somebody who had uh, tuberculosis and one day they were dying and the next day they were healed because of the rosary. But most people, if you're going to get better from a, a sickness, it's going to be gradual. Yep. Um, and know, sin is like a sickness. It is. It's a sickness of the soul. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God will heal us gradually. But occasionally some people will get healed instantly, and that's wonderful. That's amazing. It can be inspiring. But if we're hoping that that's going to be the case with us necessarily, that could be very discouraging. Yeah. So I totally agree. Um, the great thing about the rosary, too, you were saying, uh, was it? I think it was St. Louis de Montfort said that, uh, you know, even if you're, if you're, you know, caught in sin, pray the rosary every day. If you pray the rosary every day, uh, as a, if a sinner prays the rosary every day, one of two things will happen. Either they'll stop sinning or they'll stop praying the rosary. Hmm. You know, you can't do both. Um, and I, the great thing, like going back to that, that point I made about, you know, usually a temptation will last about 20 to 30 minutes. So find something else to do that'll get you through that time. Funny how the rosary takes about 20 to 30 minutes to pray. <laughs> <laughs> there you it's go. It's almost like God planned it that way. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Plus, I mean, the rosary is more than just repeating a bunch of Hail Marys, right? It, it's actively engaging our mind in the mysteries of mm-hmm. Jesus' life and death and resurrection to focus our minds on how he saved us from our sins. Amen. We should do a show on the rosary. We should. I think we will. I think so. All right. Well, that's it for today. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Listen to us at com, iTunes or Google Play. And remember, iron sharpens iron. Become the man God created you to be. Signing off in here today. God bless you. Bye-bye.